0: Come on, lift those hands to Jesus who is worthy of not only our praise, worthy of our obedience. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for this hour. You are great and you are awesome. Thank you for preparing us for the season of transition. Thank you for preparing us to demonstrate your resurrected life. Let it be so in the name of of Jesus Christ all God's people said amen Amen. one more time give God praise he's worthy this morning Easter is for everyone. It's not just for the people that have it together. You know, most people who celebrate Easter with sincerity are the believers that understand what it means. But people, there are many, many people that will be with us that uh, that really don't understand. But out of tradition, they come, and we thank God for them. Amen. And we are approaching that season right now. That Easter is for everyone. I would like you to keep that in mind as you invite people as you invite your friends and family. and We believe that God will meet us here in a special way this next Sunday. How many of you will say amen to that? Amen. Wow, the Lord is so good. I was so glad to have my sweetheart back home and uh, I, I was particularly proud of Eugene Comer yesterday. It was It, it really was a uh, uh, an awesome display of the, the grace of God. How many of you were here yesterday for that? Uh, thank, you for, thank you for being obedient and, and supporting um, your brother. Amen. I realized on my way this morning here that one of the things that we, that we need to, to emphasize and preach is what it really means to be in relationship in the body of Christ and with one another. And I, it's a big topic in the world. Relationship is a huge topic in the world, and I'm preparing. I'm preparing some teaching for you for those of you that don't do good at relationships. Uh, you're gonna get. You're gonna get real good if you listen here and obey. Amen. I want to tell you a story this morning. There was an. There's a, There's an old story of. Um, Two shoe sales persons, I know about shoes because we just moved and if you go in my wife's closet, it's it's something something wonderful, amen. (laughs) I want to tell you a story about two sales, two shoe salespeople who traveled to a small village and their aim was to sell shoes. Well, they both soon realized that no one in this village wore shoes at all. So the first salesman, he calls back to his headquarters and says, man, this is a hopeless situation. Nobody in this town wears shoes. Well, the second salesperson calls back to the headquarters and says, this is an amazing opportunity. Nobody wears shoes. Isn't it funny how two people can look at the same situation and come up with completely two different conclusions? All depends on what eyes they're looking through. The same is true with cats and dogs. I don't know, how many of you cat lovers? Have any cat owners? Oh, the Lord, bless. we got one or two. Bless you. Amen. Any, any dog lovers? Well, you know, dogs look, at each, dogs look at their owners, and when dogs look at their owners, here's what I imagine. Dogs say something like this, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. <laughs> On the other hand, the cat lovers, the cats look at their owners, and they say, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me. I must be God. Isn't that true about the nature of cats? I mean, they act like, you know, you you have to cater to them, right? It's amazing. Well, dogs, you know, know, dogs, there's a reason why they call them man's best friend. I bring this up today because we're just seven days away from the most significant dates in church history. Easter Sunday, Um, as a result, the talk about God, you know, increases this time of year. Like many of us, for many of you, I believe the Easter story, the Easter story shares the single most incredible, overwhelming, amazing message the world has ever known. The message of Jesus. Jesus. It's not about Easter eggs, amen, but it's about a story that has changed the world and is changing the world, and that's why I want to call this series uh, Easter for Everyone, because this story impacts every life. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. Amen. No matter what they look like, no matter the hue of their skin, the texture of their hair, the frame of their body, their teeth are, are missing. Everybody is, in, is invited because the message impacts everyone. In this simple series, I, I, I want to show you something. I believe you'll begin to see the first of it today and why you want to tell the story to everybody you know. On the, on the other hand, there are people um, around Easter that, you know, they don't, they don't see it that way. They, when they look at God, they think about God, they get sheepish about God. They get weary about God. They get skeptical about God. In fact, many of them will be here next week. They're the people that don't really embrace God. God is a convenient three-letter word, O-M-G. God is uh, something or someone you call on in dire cases. But for the most part, too many people, they really don't see who God is or really understand his message. In fact, many of them that'll be here next week, I, I call them cherry Easter's. They only come on Christmas and Easter. Uh, they... Uh, uh, it, by tradition they show up. Maybe by peer pressure they show up and they do their Sunday deal but that's about as far as it goes. Have you ever asked yourself a question, why is that? Why for so many people when they come around church when they don't come around much, for many people I think it comes down to this. You might want to think about this. Why people are sheepish about God. I, I think it's because because, number one, they feel that God is disappointed with them. And if, and, and if there is a God, you know, he must be disappointed with us. Because secretly, people inside, they look at where they are. They look at what they've done. God has given them conscience. They, they think, they feel about their actions. They judge themselves. We know our secrets, and we assume that God knows our secrets. We know our sins, and God knows every single one of them. Since, you know, he's always watching. I saw a racy advertisement um, that flipped up on Facebook that had a, 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 a Uh, some underwear showing and written on the underwear it said, God is watching. It's indicative of what people think about their lives and they don't think very well about themselves and since we all know our sins and we all know our, our difficulties we feel like God is disappointed so we stay away. That's why many people who come to church once or twice a year, they only come because they just want to get their simplest, minimal obligation out of the way. It gets worse than that, actually. Not only do people not believe that God is not disappointed with them, they believe that God is going to punish them for their sins. People walk with a sense of an ominous feeling over them like sooner or later, you know, the hatchet's going to fall. God God reads my thoughts. He sees my actions. He knows where I'm coming from and, and he can't be happy with that. Something about the way God created men and women that gives us the ability to judge our own selves. And for that reason, we think we're going to be punished for our sins, we, uh, we stay away. If you have an addiction, mm, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Most people don't understand that God is not going to punish them for their sin. We've heard the opposite all of our life, but I want you to consider this today as we prepare for next Sunday. We aren't punished for our sins. We are punished by our sins. I think for some internal reason, you understood exactly what I said. The fact that you can understand what I just said proves my point. People who hold this feeling against God really It's a feeling against themselves because of what they've done. And, you know, they don't have a remedy. That's why many people do as many good things as they possibly can, hoping their goods can make up for their bads. Anybody know about that? Before Christ, we were trying to do something good or maybe we got involved with some noble cause and and we were running around doing things that, that, you know, we thought were kind and good because inside, we were trying to make up for the mess that was on the inside. If you're addicted to something, God is not up in heaven trying to punish you for your addiction. The fact is your addiction is punishing you. Your addiction doesn't need God's help to punish you. It could do that all by itself. What if instead of seeing God as a punisher, we could see God as a rescuer? That's a much different picture. What if the one great greatest myth about God is that the better you are as a person, that the better you are as a person, the more God loves you. That's a big myth. If I'm a good person, I hear people talk about this all the time, but I'm a good person basically. The fact is that God is not even looking at you that way. In fact, we were, we were taught this in school. If I'm a good, God will love me. If I'm bad, he will hate me. This is a problem for too many believers, let alone unbelievers, who don't know the truth of the gospel. It's not called the gospel for no reason at all, beloved. Tap your neighbor and said, it means good news about bad people. Mm. If God, what if God, what if God just loves you, period? What if the truth was that God was not the one who was standing in in, in heaven with the axe ready to chop you into pieces because of the evil things you thought, did, or said? What if the good news you had missed, you had missed altogether was that God, the God of creation is the God whose love is so incredible that he loves you, period. It's kind of like the picture of parents. Parents uh, have children, any parents, any parents here ever had children? If you you had a child, then you know exactly what I'm saying. Because when that child comes here, they can do no wrong until they keep you up 10 nights in a row. No child, my child can do no wrong until they have pooped in their pants and you have no more, uh, what you call them bangs? You have no more pampers. Or or you're going out and you're dressed to go and right before you walk out the door, that stuff starts running out the side. Anybody in the parents know what I'm talking about? You don't decrease your love for your child just because of their behavior. What if God just loves you? Man, that that inside, that does something to me inside. If God just loves me, how can he just love me? And I, at times, don't love me. That's why it's so important today. Something happens, something happened on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is today, that, that is the Sunday before Easter. It's the Sunday that, Jesus came into town riding humbly on a donkey. One week before his resurrection. People who were throwing palm leaves on the ground, honoring him as their king, had no idea what was going to happen to him or how, how much of a mess he would look like in just a few days. Jesus did something specific on Palm Sunday that I I, I believe that most people have maybe even missed, even believers have missed in the gospel. It's why believers and non-believers approach God very gingerly. It's why, it's why, it's one of the reasons why I'm convinced uh, Mrs. Johnson, that's one reason why I'm convinced that we don't have consistent attendance because if you party on Saturday night and you get your party on, you don't, you don't really feel like coming and singing How Great Thou Art. I wish I could have somebody else say amen to that. I mean, if you can't even hardly see and know your name the next day because how much you drank and smoked, you know, it ain't like you got, you're real motivated to come in, in, into a place where everyone is, is acknowledging the presence of God. What about the people that, we, that don't know him? Can you imagine how much this is magnified in their life? That is why I believe this, this time of year is very special. And that's why I believe it is also a time of reaping and a time of harvesting. Because God, who never changes his posture, his love never failing. Remember that song we sing? God's God's specific intentionality towards you. He's intentional. He's intentional with his love. For many people, they really don't know God that way. And that's one reason why we wanna be on it this coming week as we invite people to understand the message. Are you still there, saints? For this reason, I I want to um, take a second, a few more moments this morning, and and talk to you about, do you know what happens to people when they feel that God is disappointed with them? If you want to see it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a microcosm, what do you feel like when your parents are disappointed in you? When you feel like you've disappointed your parents, it's a horrible feeling because it, 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 it reflects how you see yourself. There are people that are imploding internally deconstructed, There are are so many who don't perform very well because they don't see themselves that way. Do you know that when you talk to psychologists, they'll tell you this over and over again, that one of the reasons why you don't perform, here's what they put it, they put it this way, no one can perform greater than how they see themselves. And the people that are most responsible for the way you see yourself, at least initially, are your parents. I was amazed yesterday as Gene stood up and talked about his relationship with his dad and what that meant. I remember, I recall specifically preaching that series about fatherhood and how deeply important it is for you to get that relationship right because that relationship reflects and changes the way you when you look in the mirror, who you see looking back at you. Think about people that don't know God this way at all. High achievers, low achievers, same thing. High achievers achieving uh, multi-levels of success and yet actually, absolutely destroying their own lives in their success. People who are not high achievers but low achievers who don't achieve much of anything, just as swiftly continuing to destroy, self-destruct their own lives. I want you to think about it for a few moments this morning as we consider what the Lord Jesus did on Palm Sunday. He came into the, into the city riding on a donkey, and there was, was a real purpose for this. God had it something in mind. You should know that when the Lord Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on this donkey, he was fulfilling what 500 years ago the prophets had already prophesied that he would do. Said Israel, your king will come riding on a donkey. Now you got to understand that a donkey is not considered royal. Now, a stallion, that's something else. And yes, the Bible does talk about Jesus coming back on a horse. Excuse me. When that picture happens, we got a whole different situation. When he returns in glory and power and might and majesty and authority, when he comes back that way with a sword protruding from him, he's coming back for a whole different purpose. But the first time he comes and appears, he he comes on a donkey. Come on, really? Really, a donkey? You would have to be from the country to understand what I'm talking about when I say a donkey. It looks funny. It sounds funny. It's shaped funny. It is a, a beast of burden. It's a beast that's constructed, God constructed this beast so that it could carry very heavy loads. Horses can carry loads, true, but, but the heavier the load, the shorter the distance. Donkeys. This is almost like you're, the more you pile on it, the more he goes, donkeys do not stride. Horses stride. <laughs> you know. Donkeys, oh no, 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 no. Donkeys, they don't even take big foot, they blow little little <laughs> They are made to carry heavy loads. That day, if you could see that donkey carrying the Master, the Creator, the Son of God, let me put it to you this way: if you could see that donkey carrying God, can put it another way: if you see that donkey carrying the God who made him, and He's Jesus sitting on the donkey. <laughs> What people don't see is how heavy of a burden he was carrying. Few understood how weighty the person that sat on this beast. It wasn't coming in glory and honor and displaying majesty, but instead God said, the way I'm going to come to you is in humility. I'm going to come to you in a way you have no embarrassment in receiving me. I'm going to show up in your life in a way that you can relate to. Jesus rides into the city and because of the things that he had done because of what he had done. It's amazing. People started crying out, not because they had royal, beautiful gold and silver and silk. Not because he had that, but because of what he had done in the lives of people. They started throwing palm branches before his feet. Are you there, saints? And so they were mesmerized with Jesus. But for people today, they don't come to God because they don't relate to God. The chasm is so wide about how they feel about themselves and how they think God feels about them because something has kept from them the good news. Something has perpetrated a lie in their ears. Huh, God accepts you? Please. Doing what you did, treating people the way you treated them, breaking his law, breaking nature about yourself. How could God ever accept you? That's why it is so important that you help people to see that the good news is something totally different. When we understand this, we approach God not sheepishly, not I don't know if I want to come around, I don't actually, what we ought to be doing is running to him. If we understood him, we would run to him. If we knew how much his love covers, how much his love forgives, how much his love transforms, we would be running to God, not sneaking up on God hoping he don't see me. When we understand this, it changes everything. We had this opportunity to help people to understand. Our our hope is that that we want people to understand the message of Jesus because for so many people, it's not the message they're hearing in their ears. You live your life under, under the judgment of your own conscience. You need something to break through to help you to understand what the true message really is. Our hope is that that our community will see Jesus in a different way on this coming Sunday. We'll see him as the great redeeming savior, the one who shows up to help, to rescue you out from yourself. To avert punishment that sin itself brings you. The Bible says a man will be held with the cords of his own sin. It's another way of saying sin has its own punishment. It's what you feel the next day, the morning after. It's what you experience the night of. It's what your body begins to react against yourself when sin has taken control. The judgment in itself comes from the act of itself. And God is standing there, sovereign, all-powerful, but waiting for something from you and from me. Much in the same way that as he rides that donkey into town, as he he travels through that city, he was waiting for something from them. Some people who think that Jesus is disappointed with uh, with them stay away for so long that they lose hope in ever, ever thinking that there could be a way out of their problem. So let's read the text. Let me show you something right quick. Put up John 12, 12 through 16. The next day, the great crowd that came that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey, a young donkey, and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter, daughter of Zion. Don't be afraid. See, your king is coming. I'm sorry. It kind of reminded me of something. It kind of reminded me of Bernie Mac. Here I am. <laughs> You're looking for me and using a few choice words. Here I am. It's like the Lord said, look, I tell you, it's like the Lord... The Lord on this donkey is not trying to show the vast army behind him, even though there is a vast army, unseen army behind him. It's not Christ trying to demonstrate how awesome he is, but how lowly, how humble he is. You know what? He's saying, I am so much like you, it would frighten you to know how much I am. Nobody things about God in flesh. And that's why the gospel is so important. And that's why the resurrection is so dynamic. Because the good news says that God, instead of just coming to the cross, he went through the cross, through Jerusalem, to the cross to get to you. Only way God could get to you was to become like At first, his disciples didn't understand all this, the Bible says. They didn't understand it. It happened, but they didn't get it. They were standing and looking at it, but they didn't get it. But the Bible says, only after Jesus was glorified, that means after he was risen from the dead, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Only then did they understand it. So what the Lord does He makes this demonstration in coming through, to and through Jerusalem. He has to come through Jerusalem on this beast of burden so that he could come to the cross. He had to come to the cross. Actually, I like the way it's written. He had to come through the cross in order to get to you because you couldn't get to yourself. You couldn't deliver yourself from your own subconscious guilt. You couldn't deliver yourself from the the self-talk that's going on at 1,500 words a minute down on the inside of your consciousness that tells you how bad you are, how how much you messed up. And, And if you did it right now, remember how much you did back there. And you can't do enough now to make up for how much it was back there. And it's still hanging on you. It's why you don't get along with people. It's, like you don't, it's like why you don't rise in what God has called you to do and be. It's why people do not stay in poverty. Excuse me, I'm sorry. All of you left-wingers out there listening to me in, in, in a multimedia land, there is no, there is no virtue in poverty. I'm sorry. I got one side over here to understand just what I said. The rest of y'all are saying, what did he say? What did he say? God does not love you because you're poor. Let me turn around and say, there is no virtue in riches. God does not love you because you're rich. You can be down and out, or you can be up and out. You know what? It, out is out. So when he comes it, with this lowly broken attitude, he comes so people can relate to him. Can I just say this? I, often the Lord he recently has spoken to me about this. When you occupy a position of authority, what makes, what makes you powerful is not is is it's is, is not what you have at your disposal. When you, when you occupy a position of authority, what makes you powerful is who you are. Amen. Jesus, sacrificing none of his authority, comes in complete humility. And I'm sorry, saints, that's just the first of his humiliation. You don't think humiliation? you don't want want to see humiliation, then you you take somebody here publicly and strip them of their outer garments before everyone. It's worse than that. If If you want to see humility, then beat that person within an inch of their life right there in front of everybody. I'm sorry, saints, it gets worse than that. Put a put a burden on him more than half his body weight and have him weak and bloody, carry it through the streets while everyone mocks and spits on him. That's humiliation. But God is doing that because he understands that he's, he's after something, he's coming to something. God went through Jerusalem to the cross so that he could get to you. say You might be proud, but God is trying to get to you. And my beloved, he's trying his best to get to those who don't know him. Look, it's always been, it's always been from the very beginning, the vision of this house, that we would take the gospel outside of these walls to a people that don't know what the ham fat they're talking about. And for the most part, many people who are religious, the religious really don't know what they're talking about. In fact, when you're religious, you substitute that grace and humility that was in Christ for something you can do yourself. So now I'm esteemed because I go to church? Really? Jesus came into Jerusalem, and most of them were churchgoers, and they were all lost. And the ones who were lost the most were the ones who had on the long garments the priests, the rabbis. Are you there? He said more condemnation is coming on you because you don't even do it and you don't teach anybody else to do it. When Jesus comes, he comes humble because he wants to relate to you. That's why you see him in the street. You see him in people's homes. You see the Lord in the gutter. You see the Lord on the chopping block when they're going to kill her because they drug her out to bed. They caught her in the act. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And they're about to stone her. Where Jesus, right there in the midst of it. And when he comes, I want you to remember this today. And by the way, if you still have a tinge of that, God is disappointed with me. May God begin to deliver you. May God free you from your pride. Because it is pride that looks at yourself and judges yourself and trying to make yourself right without the help of God. So what the Holy Spirit does, he comes and he brings conviction on you in such a way that you can't get away. Conviction captures you and chains you until you can't get away. That's why, you know, when you do wrong, you be tossing and turning. That's right, when you don't don't meet up to the expectations, you pass sentence on yourself. And unfortunately, other people around you, they themselves are are suffering from your decision to judge yourself. People are are evil and uh, impolite with other people and they insult other people because they themselves are insulted. That's why Jesus said, No, no, it's not the outward appearance, it's what comes out the heart. And if you keep talking long enough, your heart is gonna reveal, your mouth is gonna reveal what's in your heart. Jesus understands that. So when he comes, he comes lowly. Desp- the Bible says he's despised of men. Our church goal is for people to clearly understand. The message of Jesus, to know him as the rescuer, as the savior. Oh man, you have never, you have never, you know what it's like to be in, in trouble, and you know if something didn't happen, you're done. My wife was, we were in business and my wife was traveling to pick up our products that we were selling, and and she would travel by herself and her car broke down and she's on the highway and there's no one to help until a truck driver comes and pulls over to help her. And he said, I, she said, I gotta get, so, you know, she's trying. and so he takes her, he, she, gets in the, she gets in the car with this truck driver. I wanted to shoot her myself. She gets in the car with this truck driver and the truck driver goes down the highway and veers off another road. He says, you know, you in here by yourself, there you ain't nobody here that can help you. My wife, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so she's thinking how many ways she could hurt him before he hurt her. It quickly dawned on her she got on her phone and she called she's a few miles away from one of our dearest friends and she called him and he, she he, she told him what the situation was and that when the truck driver continued to throw out innuendos she said I've already made a phone call it wasn't shortly after that statement that my dear friend who's with the Lord right now, he was the first double heart transplant in the world. Wow. Yeah. The, J- uh, Charles, dry, Chuck, we him, he drives up in it, and Chuck is white. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. The truck driver is black. Yeah. Chuck drives up in the car, and, <laughs> and my wife gets real bold with the truck driver. Because he was her rescuer. Have you been in a situation when you know if somebody don't come, you're in trouble? That is who Jesus is. He is that before. He chooses to be that before he reveals to you whatever else he is. So when he comes for the first time on Palm Sunday, he wants everybody to know, I feel you. I know what that's like. When Jesus went through the cross to get to you, to get to me, he did so because he knew exactly what we had to deal with. He comes in humility, but he then, later on, he manifests himself in power. You know Christ. Many people have never known Jesus this way. One reason why we've not received the Lord, others have not received God, because they've never related to God as somebody who is touched by the feelings of my infirmities, who knows what I'm going through and does not judge me, who understands what temptation is and knows its results. The Bible says when temptation is taking place and when sin has come forth, it breeds death. There are many people, they are just, they are just in a prolonged death sentence. No life in their life. And so God shows up. Most people think that God is tolerating the—they're tolerating this version of me because they don't like this version of themselves. But God, you know, if, if I could just get cleaned up first, you, then you will love the cleaned up version. So one reason why people stay away: oh, let, me, let me get my act together first, you know. P- people stay away because if it were, you know, if I, I can just if I just get rid of this weed, you know, I'll be all right. I did not be all right. You love me. If I I can just quit, if I can just quit, if I can quit that, if I can somehow engineer for myself a picture of myself that looks better to myself, then you will accept me. But that's not the way the gospel works. Jesus, no, you don't get it. While you were yet in your sins, I loved you. Oh, God. What? Yeah, while you was doing it, God loved you. Tell your you neighbor you just what I say right there. They don't understand. They don't interpret it themselves for themselves, okay? <laughs> Lift your hands to the Lord right there where you sit. As a sign that says, Lord, I just, I forget that while I was living a life that didn't, you didn't like, A life that you despise. You despise the act, but you love me. This is what many believers don't even get, let alone the um. If the believers don't get it, my God, what about those who don't believe at all? They've never heard that, that Jesus loves you when you're good and Jesus loves you when you're bad. That he never changes his position towards you. It's just that your, if your sin rules, your sin judges you and your sin punishes you. And Jesus, your rescuer, wants to come and give you power over sin. Oh, hallelujah. Not because of something you engineered in yourself, but because of his love for you. It's That's a different kind of gospel, baby. In fact, this gospel, you can put your hands down, this gospel was so awesome. I tell you, when the apostle Paul preached it, the people that heard it were abusing it. The, instead of responding like, well, if you love me that much, empower me to get rid of this. Instead of that, let me do more of what I'm doing because that false definition of grace will cover me. Or cover my wrong. So Paul said, what? Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin, come on, talk to me, live in it, come on, talk to me, any longer. The Jesus that loves you doesn't change his position toward you. You got to make it, that's what makes it so tough, Ted. That thing come down to a personal decision of your will about the information you got. Now, God, who is blamed for your sin, is exonerated from your sin, has already taken care of your sin, and taken the punishment for your sin, so now you can step into that and live a life that's pleasing to him without the bondage and without religion. I wish somebody would clap their hands and praise him, because that's a big mouthful right there. And most people don't get it, let alone the unbelievers. They don't get it. That's why, Jesus, now that you have come, you have to take up your cross. I want you to learn about me. We uh, celebrate Easter because it's the pivotal point of our faith, and as was said today earlier, if you can discredit the resurrection, you will dismantle the whole faith. So Jesus' version, Jesus, his, his love, is, it's a current version not loving the future you that you're going to be, but loving the you that you are right now. Look at your neighbor. I know we say this often. We look at him and say, God loves you completely just as you are right now. I mean, that will flat out mess you up. That will mess you up. But first question you ask yourself, how in the world could God love me the way I am? You think that's a tough one, what about this one? How can a man have a billion dollars and want the dollar that God says he can't have? We call that the mystery of iniquity. What undermines and what kills, what destroys the mystery of iniquity is the love of God that says how could God create what he created then step down out of his person and become what he created while remaining himself so that he could by substitution take my punishment oh my god oh my god The good news is that you didn't deserve that no you didn't deserve you didn't deserve someone becoming what you are to transform you to what you could be. This is what makes you love him. (laughs) Love is amazing. There is no other explanation, but people don't know it. There's no other explanation but God's love. So he decides I'm coming in on this donkey, on this beast. I'm coming riding on a donkey that you call each other by. On this stubborn hmm. One of the characteristics about a donkey, this donkey was compliant because Jesus had put his hand on it. Tap in everything when God puts his hand on you, you won't be a stubborn asset either. Amen. Oh, God, he said it'd be on Facebook next. He draws us, and by his unfailing love, he makes this primary decision. And one of the reasons why this church exists is to help people understand that. You've got to be the demonstration of it. You must be that person who was so ugly, so horrible, so terrible in your before life, in your B.C. life. Now, when you, they encounter you now, remembering what you were is, hardly, is so unbelievable. I can't believe this is you. This is pimp daddy. This is you. I mean, girl, you ain't the one that was on the corner. No, you ain't. She said, well, yes, I am. Let me show you. There's a, there's a tattoo right there. I'm the one. I was the one. You be told by asking a show of hands, I wouldn't ask you to do that, but a lot of y'all was on the street. And you know what, as long as you don't embrace the humility of Jesus, you'll never get out of that. Though he loves you. But once you embrace his humility, look at your neighbor and say, then you can embrace his holiness. We've got to help people become humble before we try to make them holy. We've got to help people to embrace who he is in their lives. I close today and I want to tell you that Easter is for everyone because everyone has had difficulties, problems, and unresolved issues that have been and are destroying their lives. I, I, I want you to be the messenger for the antidote to deliver them from the self-inflicted punishment that sin brings. And the only antidote is Jesus. There is no antidote. She just came from a country that their religion is so outward. It's all about what you do on the outside and very little to do what you do on the inside. If you have to add anything else to, uh, in your own personal production to your salvation, it's not a salvation from God. It's bondage. That's why Paul had to preach it the way he preached it. Don't go back sinning so God can forgive you more because the message is, the message is God loves you and forgives you even though you're in your sin. What changes you? Man, what, I just looked at something just recently about a, a, a guy who had committed 13 times inf- infidelity with his, uh, against his wife. And he was talking about it 13 times. And she found grace to forgive him. I heard somebody say, Mercy. and then he went and did it again. They were separated, went through seasons of separation, then they went through seasons of counseling and reconciliation, and today, they are back together happily married today. The reason why I said that is because the grace of God will meet you where you are And take care of the infidelity of any kind against your wife, against God. The grace of God has the power to transform. Any man be in Christ. He will make you a new creature. It is blood of the Savior that washes you from your sin. Cleanses, the Bible says, your very conscience, so you don't even think that way anymore, makes you a completely, man the world don't know this, and psychologists can't enact what transformation can only do, but look saints, I want you to track with me, they don't know that, they don't know it, people are afraid to ask people to come to church on on Sunday, afraid to ask them to be a part of something that is has to do with Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't not say anything because they don't know. What Jesus has done for them is so big, it extends beyond you and me. Easter, tell your neighbor, Easter is for everybody. I want you to boldly invite this coming week. Hey, do one more step. Bring somebody. Put them in your vehicle. Go pick them up. Have them rendezvous point. Bring somebody with you. Let me ask you this question. How many of you are here because somebody invited you at one time? Raise your hand and look around. Just look around. (coughs) How many of you are mad with the person who invited you? So don't let the enemy punk you and make you think that if I, if I invite somebody they're going to think strange of me. No, it's a lie. I want, you to, I want you to join with me, my wife and I, in making those invitations to people this week to be with us on Easter Sunday, which for many of them will be the beginning of their eternal life. If you believe, clap your hands and give God praise, amen. I want to stop right here and and I want you to bow your heads and I want to respond to those who that's that's your lifestyle. You, 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 You think God's disappointed with you. Too many of God's children can't invite those who are not. Because they themselves feel like their personal disappointment is in the face of God. And that God is holding you somehow responsible or at least worthy of judgment because you haven't met up to his expectations. That feeling is not of God, and it is so far removed of what God says about you, his child. What God says about who he has made you to be. If you took the first chapter of Ephesians and read where it says in Christ, in Christ, marked every time it said in Christ, it would blow your mind of what God says about you is already the way he feels about you and he hasn't changed his mind. If you feel like you can't measure up, it's because you haven't measured by the right measurement. If you feel like you can't get out, because you've never met the Lord Jesus in his ability to rescue and free you from your change. If, if you haven't, if you haven't won the battle of that, continual cycle of up and down, up and down, up and down is because you have not had that experience of the one who breaks every negative cycle and puts you in his cycle of success. So it's a little different. It's a little different call this morning. I need you to come to peace with Jesus so you don't have a problem saying, you need to know what I know. As your heads about, Father, I thank you for your, the saints of God. I thank you that even in our sin, you love us. Not only while we were yet sinners, but even the saints, Lord, who stumble, who revert back. The, the saints who Respond negatively because they're disappointed with you because they think you're disappointed with them. Lord, let that cycle be broken this morning. May they know that the blood of Jesus, that the suffering of Jesus was the full payment, that their propitiation, the full payment of their sins that they themselves could never pay no matter what they did. And that their life as a believer is for the rewards to come when the kingdom is fully come. But their life in you is secured by the blood that was shed for them. May transformation begin to work on every person today. For those who have walked through that valley and cloud of disappointment, Lord, would you redeem them today? Lord, I do thank you. I praise you. And then release to them the power of God to overcome. I thank you. I praise you for this. All God's people said amen. Amen.